Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. To this second message in the mysteries of the new covenant. Man, I'll tell you what, I've been so excited about this. and I, you know, I'm just excited about what it's doing in my life, just, just reviewing this information and going over this again in my life. Now, you know, we're talking about the fact that God has created a covenant, and it's, it's basically a contract. And I, and I know that's not spiritual sounding enough for most people, but as a contract, it says this is what you can expect from God. This is what God is asking from you. It's just like any other contract. And because God is so faithful, because God is so true, because God is so loving, he wanted to make it absolutely clear what we could expect of him. Now, I don't know about you, but that just brings a lot of incredible comfort to me because, uh, you know, when I first started making this journey with God, number one, it wasn't very complicated. Then when I started going to church, it got complicated. And when I started asking questions from the people that were making it complicated, basically they didn't have any answers. I started realizing the reason this is complicated because I'm listening to people that are good people, that love God, that mean well. But the truth is uh, they don't have the answer. That's, that's why they're making it complicated. They don't have the simple answers. Now, I just want to say this and, and dive into this thing. When I gave my life to Jesus, I had heard so many crazy things about God that part of my salvation prayer, and as many of you know, you know, I wasn't with anybody when I got saved. This was just something that happened between me and God. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize it, but, but I was alone and I was praying and, you know, I, I gave my life to him. I didn't know what all that meant but uh, I knew it had something to do with Jesus. But part of my prayer, surrender my life to him, is, look, God, I've heard all these crazy things about you. I have no idea what's true. I have no idea what's not true. And I said, I will only believe about you those things I read in the Bible for myself. So get me to a Bible. I'm going to read it. Help me understand it. That was, that was, that was part of where I started off in my journey with God. And uh, it, it was, one of, those, it was one, of those, one of those things that, thank God, I ignorantly started off in the right place because I realized that I didn't know anything about God, even though I grew up around people talking about God. And uh, so anyhow, you know, I dove into the Bible. And so before I ever, ever went to church, I had read the New Testament through at least once, maybe a couple times, and had started reading the Old Testament. And there was obviously so much that I didn't understand, but I, I understood what Jesus said. I accepted what Jesus said as the straightforward simplicity of the truth. And fortunately for me, you know, I didn't start out reading the epistles and then trying to interpret what Jesus said by the epistles. I started out with what Jesus said and interpreted the epistles by what Jesus said. And then ultimately, when I started reading the Old Testament, I was, you know, I was a little confused at times, but I basically did the same thing. I didn't interpret what Jesus said by the Old Testament. I interpreted the Old Testament by what Jesus said. And so I realized that not only from my past did I have all kinds of crazy beliefs about God, but you know, right off the bat when I went to church, I started hearing things that were contrary to what Jesus taught. 
And, you know, I really didn't become critical. I didn't really think I knew more than they did. But I remember just thinking, well, bless their hearts. They just don't know. You know, before I got saved, I had seizures really badly. I had them very often. And I had overdosed on drugs several times. And, and uh, you know, after overdosing on some really powerful psychedelics, I just began having seizures. And, uh, you know, after I came to Jesus, I stopped having seizures. I never had another seizure from the day I gave my life to Jesus. And there were other physical changes that happened for me. So, you know, I would go to church. I'd hear people talk about, you know, God doesn't do those things anymore. And I remember thinking, well, bless their hearts. I guess they just don't know. Maybe, maybe they hadn't read the Bible for themselves or, or what. I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't critical. But I began to realize right off the bat, I had to guard my heart, not because these were bad people, not because I was critical of them, not because I knew more than they did, but, the, but, but I had to guard my heart and make sure that I stayed true to that prayer that I made uh, that in the very beginning that I would only believe about God what I got from the Bible for myself. Now, that didn't mean that I wasn't open to teaching and, and that sort of thing. But that's my journey. And you know something, that might be something, you might want to put this thing on pause for a minute, just bow your head and say, God, you know, I don't know where I got a lot of my beliefs. I don't know where they came from. A lot of them came from my family. A lot of them came from church. But I can't say that everything I believe about you came from the Bible. So right now, I'm, make, I'm charting a new course. And from now on, every belief I have, I'm going to check it out with the Word of God. I'm going to check it out with the teachings of Jesus to see if I am on track. Amen. That's, you know, that's, that's a great place to start out. Now, so many people, good people, godly people, people that are serious about walking with God, are making a journey. And the problem for so many people, they're so discouraged and frustrated because they're not experiencing in their life what they see to be clear, simple, straightforward promises from God. And, and they don't know why. And, and they can't get straight answers because so much of the theology that people use to explain why something is not working is what I talked about in my very first book I ever wrote called Taking the Limits Off God. And I talked in there about circumstance theology where when people, when, when something's not working, rather than just going back to the Word of God, find out what the Word of God says, we have this tendency to create theology uh, that fits our circumstance, that justifies our circumstance. You know, we, we're, we're so afraid that there's something wrong with us. And so, so we have to come up with some theology to con that says there's nothing wrong. It's not your fault. God's doing this or the devil's doing this or somebody else is doing this. You know, we just don't really need to do all that. And uh, once we accept a circumstance theology or create a circumstance theology, one of the things you can be sure of, you're going to be locked into that circumstance for the rest of your life. Now, <clears throat> the best way to understand the Bible is let the Bible interpret the Bible. Now, keep in mind, you have to compare Scripture to Scripture, but all Scripture has to come back to what Jesus teach, what Jesus say, what did Jesus model, what did he accomplish his death, burial, and resurrection. And if, if that's not how we're uh, interpreting and applying scripture, then very probably we might have some degree of truth in what we're doing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're really applying this based on the covenant that Jesus established in his blood. Now, the book of Psalms is one of those places where we can go to and get a picture of uh, 
the struggle that the children of Israel had when they came out of Egypt on their way to Canaan. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians, uh, first, uh, the 10th chapter, and the writer of Hebrews tells us in about the first four chapters of Hebrews that the children of Israel coming out of Egypt on their way to Canaan is the model. It is where we should look to understand our struggles. It's where we should look to understand when we're getting stuck somewhere, when things aren't working, when, when the promises that God's made to us are not manifesting in our life. This is where we go to understand what's going on inside of us. And we don't have to create some weird theology to go, oh, they struggle with this. Maybe that's what I'm struggling with. That's why the Apostle Paul and uh, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 10, 13 says, No temptation has taken you, but such is common to all men. He's not just making a vague general statement. He is saying that in the context of this battle that they fought is the exact same temptation you fought. We share in common the same struggles that, that, that they had. So, but in Psalm 78, it goes into really talking about this journey, and it gives us some incredible insights about what was going on in the hearts and beliefs of the children of Israel and why they were not able to enjoy these benefits that God promised them. Psalm 78, 37 says, For their heart was not steadfast with him, with God, nor were they faithful in his covenant. Now the word steadfast means established, to believe something, to be faithful to something, to trust something. And so we have to realize that it's impossible to be faithful, to be trustworthy, to really, really uh, be able to step out there and walk in God's covenant if our heart isn't first steadfast in Him, in who He is. And so, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. You've heard me talk about this. The children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, God said, look, uh, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you that, that I have more power than all of these gods that are worshipped in Egypt. And then he introduced the Feast of Eleven Bread, where it says, Now I've showed you that I'm more powerful. So now, leaven represents getting rid of all of the beliefs that you have associated with, with the world system, with any religious ideology, with any denominational ideology, with any ideology, with any belief that is not rooted and grounded in uh, the New Covenant. And so... You know, what we realize is the children of Israel never fully surrendered their personal opinions about God. They, 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 they actually interpreted the things that God would say and do based on what they were taught and what they believed about the Egyptian gods. And since these were religious ideas that they were comfortable with, they just really weren't ready to give them up. It's just how they understood life. It's how they understood the gods. Now, remember, Jesus said that by our, really by our culture, we are by our traditions, we make the Word of God of no effect. We totally make the Word of God void of being able to produce in our lives uh, what it promises. Why? Because of what's going on in our heart. So, you know, I want you to understand something. We have to have our heart established in who God is or we'll never, ever, ever be able to stay steadfast. We'll never be able to stay faithful. We'll never be able to stay true to the covenant. So all things have to begin with who God is and you know what is God's character and nature. Now, in looking at this whole thing about the journey of the children of Israel, you, 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 you know, it starts out with Moses and and. 
God is calling Moses and God is saying, uh, I want you to go and I want you to lead my people out. I want you to bring them out of Egypt, bring them out of the world system. And uh, uh, so Moses, it, it was really interesting. Moses needed to know who God really was before he could serve him. Uh, Exodus 3.13, it says, And when Moses said to God, Indeed, when I'm come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me uh, 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 sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What, what am I going to say to them? In other words, they had this history of who God had been with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, you know, the patriarchs. They, they had this concept of who God had been to their fathers because it had been passed down from generation to generation. But the problem is they didn't know who God was to them. And that's what it is for a lot of believers today. We read stories about who God was to somebody else, about, you know, even who God was to Jesus. That's really where we need to be looking. The question that we need to ask is not who was God to Smith Wigglesworth, not who was God to the greatest preacher that I've ever heard. Not who, who is God to somebody else. Who was God to Jesus? And when I look at who God was to Jesus, then that's when I have to realize this is who God wants to be to me. And so they would want to know God's name. Now, in the ancient world, knowing a name, a name revealed the character uh, the identity, the nature, it revealed so much, uh, not just about who you call the person, but it revealed so much about who that person really was. And so God said to Moses, I am who I am. And the Hebrew is like, I, I am who I was, I am who I am, and I am who I will be. In other words, I am unchangeable. He says, thus I you sh shall you say the children of Israel, I am. In other words, I am the... Well, as a matter of fact, let me go ahead and read this. He says, verse 15, he says, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. In other words, I am who I was to Abraham. Back when Abraham won those battles against all the kings that, that came together, back when Abraham had the courage to break away from, from Nimrod's uh, uh, army and, 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 and worship the true God, the true creator God. Uh, I, I'm the God of Isaac. You know, everything that they, that they experienced, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all these people, everything that they experienced, he said, that's the God that I am. This is my name forever, which means... I'll never change. I will never change. And this is my memorial to all generations. Now, sadly, people get saved, and man, they're passionate to serve God. They really don't know who God is. And so they'll dive out and go into ministry out of passion, but maybe not always have it clear, clearly established in their heart who God, who God really is. You know, when I first got born again, uh, I got invited to a lot of places to go share my testimony, and you know, I didn't. I wasn't a while about sharing my testimony. I, I, I was. It was wonderful to share how good God was and to give people hope that because God got me out of my horrible background, my horrible life, that He could do the same thing for them. But I didn't really want. Number one, I didn't want to live off my testimony, and while you never want to forget where you came from, you never want that to be your life. You don't want the past to be your life. Now there was a. 
a national, international organization at that time that, that had people share their testimonies. It was a powerful organization helping a lot of people. And they invited me, a couple of those different uh, or, uh, city chapters, I guess you'd call them in different places, invited me to share my testimony. And I did, and it was powerful. And uh, so, you know, they began to talk to me about kind of getting on the circuit and going all over America and maybe even to other countries and sharing my testimony and teaching people about God and showing people how good God was. Well, you know, I, I, I told them I'd pray about it and think about it, but you know what? As I thought, as I prayed about it, I remember my, my answer was, look, I barely can spell faith. So I don't know enough about God to go out here and be representing God. I don't know enough about God. I mean, I know what God's done for me. I know where I'm going with God. I know where I'm experiencing with God. But I'm not, I, I'm really, I haven't been in this long enough to be telling people all about God and who God is and how to walk with God. And so, you know, I, I turned that down. I turned down what really would have been like the ideal situation for anybody, for any 21-year-old who just gotten saved and called the ministry. That would be like the ideal situation. Well, you know what? So many times, and I saw this back in those days. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. But see, this was right at the end of the Jesus movement. And man, at the end of the Jesus movement, there were actors, there were musicians, there were famous people getting saved, and they were immediately grabbed up by some ministry and thrown out into the limelight and said, go out there and tell people who God is. Share your testimony and tell people who God is. Well, the problem is usually being thrown into that weight of responsibility and then plus being thrown into the middle of all the religious conflict mess that goes on out there in the ministry world. Uh, so many of them backslid. It was, it was their destruction. And not only did they backslide, not only did they destroy their own lives, but they destroyed the lives of a lot of people that were following, not because they meant to, but because they got thrown into situations where they really, really didn't know who God was. Moses wouldn't know who God was. If he's going to serve him, he wanted to know who God was. Now, I want you to understand something. Based on what God said to Moses, based on everything we know about God, there's never been a time that obviously that God has never changed. So there, there have been no dispensations. That was one of the first things in church where when I would go ask these people that said God didn't heal anymore, I'm saying, where do you get this out of the Bible? They couldn't show me any place out of the Bible, but they told me about the doctrine of dispensations. Well, in this time frame, this dispensation, God did this. And this dispensation, he did that. And this dispensation, he does it. I'm like, that's nowhere in the Bible. Yeah, but that's, that's what happens. Well, but it's nowhere in the Bible. Because God doesn't change. God has never changed. You know, God did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. People think he did. People see the Old Testament, God being horrible and mean, angry and upset and legalistic. In the New Testament, they see Jesus as being nice and sweet and forgiving and merciful. And like They can't reconcile the two. But the, but the truth is that's based on the false understanding that we have of the Old Testament. God didn't even change between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The old, covenant, the old Covenant and the New Covenant were basically a continuum that brought man to the place to where the Savior could come into the world. So since God is unchanging, Jesus is unchanging. You know, Hebrews 13, 8 tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, how do I know he's the same yesterday and today, forever? Because if he is the exact representation of God, then he never changes. Uh, if he's the exact representation of God, then God never changes. So by establishing covenants, the unchangeable nature of God is, is revealed. 
And we can know exactly who God is. We can know exactly what all the benefits are that we can be experiencing here on planet Earth. As a matter of fact, one of the ways that we know Jesus actually was the Messiah is that everything he did and everything he taught was actually in harmony with the names of God. Now, one of the things that God did that is so interesting is he connected his names to his covenants. Now, <clears throat> when God connects a name to a covenant, it's kind of interesting. There are covenants that require something on, on, on by both parties. So there are many places where God says, I, I will do this and this and this and this. And this is how you participate in it. This is, this is how we share it together. But then when God connects his names to a covenant, he is saying, this has nothing to do with what you do. This is who I am. This is what I do because of who I am. It doesn't change. Who I am does not change because of what you do. Or, or you know that sort of thing well and we'll get into that really in the future and really if, if you really want to dive into this in just incredibly powerful ways let me just share this with you just for a moment you know uh, and i'm not releasing it just yet it'll be released next week this series called uh the mysteries of the new covenant and you know this is one of those series again it's a foundational life-changing series where I am going to give you somewhere between six and 10 hours of scripture and breaking it down and how to put it into practice, how to take practical steps so that, you, so that you're not just getting more information, but you're, you're establishing your heart. Because in this, in this series and in, in this message as a whole, the key is not just knowing, uh, knowing the covenant, the key is establishing your heart in the covenant. Then you are capable of being faithful because being faithful is a heart issue. It's about what you hold in your heart. So, so, so you know, you may want to check that out, but it's not all. It's not available just yet. But watch for it because it'll be coming out, and I'll have it by by next week. So, so, in Psalm one thirty eight, God makes this connection between His name and His word, and really, we know that ultimately, because He reveals His His name in conjunction with certain covenants, we know that the covenant, his name, and his word have to always be congruent. In Psalm 38, the psalmist says, I will worship toward your holy temple, and I'll praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. And the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. In the New Living Translation, it says, your promises are backed up by all the honor of your name. And the Amplified Bible says you exalt it above all else, your name and your word, and you have magnified your word above all your name. There's this connection here between everything that God ever said being congruent with, being related to, and being based on his names. So as we've talked about before, and I know most of you, most of the people who who follow this program, most of the people who are making this journey with me, you're way more serious than other people. People who are not serious, they have no interest in what I teach. They don't they don't want to, they don't want to go anywhere that is that is anything other than a bunch of tickle my ears with some religious nonsense. But people who watch this program, people who make this journey, people who are part of our ministry are people who are saying, I 
I'm committed to being a disciple. I'm committed to knowing God intimately and personally. I want to know everything about God, and I want to know. I want to believe it in my heart. I want to make this journey with Him. So, <clears throat> so you you understand, and and I know those of you who are regulars with me, you are saying, okay, I probably know the names of God, but many people watching maybe today don't. So I, I want to talk about this. God made some covenants. And he says in one place, because he could swear by no greater, and this talks about the new covenant. He said, because he could swear by no greater, he, he swore by two things that were immutable and changeable. Well, what are two things that are unchangeable? One is his name, and the other is his word. I'm just going to run down this real quick, like, and I just want to, want to talk about these covenant names of God. And we've talked about them uh, before, but I'm just going to run through them real quick like again. There's a name, Jehovah Tzidkanu, which is Jehovah my righteous. God says, I am righteous, but I'm also your righteousness. In other words, everything that I am, this is what I will do in you. This is what I'll do for you. This is what I'll do through you. This is my covenant with you, and, and you can participate in it. But, you know, the one thing that is essential for the participating in anything that God does is faith. Faith doesn't change what God does. Faith doesn't change who God is. Faith doesn't change what you can get from God. Faith doesn't convince God to do something. Faith is where you enter into agreement, into a trusting agreement with, this is who you said you are. I believe it. And when we believe that in our heart, it manifests in our life. Uh, he said his name is Jehovah Mekadesh which is Jehovah who sanctifies. He's like, I'm set apart from the world. I am holy. I am uncommon. I'm not like anything you've ever believed in. And you can be unlike any, any people who worship any God anywhere. You can, experience, you can experience this separation from sin and death and the curse and all these kinds of things. He says, I'm Jehovah Shammah. In other words, I'm Jehovah Peace which means I am peace. All I have is peace. I, that means I give you peace. I don't give you torment. I don't give you testing and trial. People say, oh, no, testing's in the Bible. Well, there is a test in the Bible. It's called the test of faith. God makes his promises, and the test is, will you believe it? That's pretty much the only test that God has for us. Because in the New Testament, he says that God, he doesn't test you, he doesn't try you, he doesn't, call, he doesn't scrutinize you, he doesn't make you to strive, he doesn't put you in a stressful situation. All you do is just trust him. That, that's it, and that solves it. But he's the God of peace. He can't be anything else to us because it's his name his covenant. He's Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah who is present. In other words, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you or forsake you. You don't have to worry about me leaving. You don't have to worry about me running away from you. You know, in the Old Testament, when people brought sacrifices to God, we legalistically interpret that. So, yeah, they, they, they took these sin offerings to get God to come back and forgive them. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. God had promised to them he'd never leave them. God had promised his forgiveness to them. God had promised all these things. They took these not because they were trying to get God to draw near to them, but because they realized their hearts had drifted away from God and they were drawing back to God. And faith was trusting that he never left, that, that they were the ones that left, that he was going to be true to his promise. Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God that heals. In other words, if I'm the one that heals you, I'm not the one making you sick. If I'm the one that, if I'm the one that brings you peace, I'm not the one bringing you trouble. 
If I'm the one that never leaves you, then I'm not the one making you feel alone. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah's provision is seen. So, so in every situation, you can see Jehovah's provision. In every situation, you can see everything that I have for you. Jehovah Roha, I'm your shepherd. I'll always lead you. And, and you'll know where I'll always lead you because I'll le always lead you into paths of righteousness. I will always lead you into the joy of the Lord. I will always lead you into all of these things that are so wonderful. And of course, there's uh, there's Jehovah the banner. I'll always I'll always put my banner up before you. I'll always be there. Listen, I'm telling you, there are so many incredible things that God has promised us and God is trying to give us. And I want to teach you how to connect to all of these covenant names of God. So you be sure and be back here with me next week or get this series. I'm telling you, we're going to make this journey together and you're going to have this incredible life in God. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.